Welcome back to another edition of the Boscovs Brooks Jazz Fest Spotlight here on ThePeopleChronicles.com. And we have none other than Mike Anderson with us. Hi, Mike. Hi. How are you doing, Joe? I am wonderful. Thanks for joining us. You are you are the Director of Public Relations and Marketing at the Reading Public Museum. I am. That's my uh, full-time gig, as they say in the music business. But uh, I have I've lots of interest and lots of involvement in other activities as well. Uh, there had to be some reason why you are here for Boscovsburg's Jazz Fest and you're That's connected right. with the museum. So, this is 25 years. 25 years, yes. We start, I was in from uh, day one on the planning. Day of it. one pl- uh, for the first well, one. Day, wherever it was. But, but the first group that got together and said, Can we do this? Back in, uh, when was it? 1990, actually, before uh, the 91 was the first official fest. But the, the planning began the year before. Did did you get involved with that group of people to put the uh, Berks Jazz Fest together because of your public relations and marketing expertise? Well, at that time I was uh, at the Anderson at Anderson Advertising, now mm-hmm. called the Anderson Group, uh which is marketing and brand, you know, communications. Plus I've been a musician in the area for a long time. Uh so I think they wanted to get somebody in on the advisory committee that you know, knew some marketing skills as well as musical involvement, just to see if it could work. Has the affinity for music. Right. So for those who don't know, when you go to the museum, and, and you may run across Mike Anderson, what do you play? I play saxophone, uh, the woodwinds. When did you start? Saxophone. I started back in fourth grade uh, many years ago. In this area? In, in the Muhlenberg Township uh, School District, uh, one of those band programs where you rent the instrument and, uh, and you have group lessons together, and it took off from there. Was the RMF involved then as well because they're very active, very proactive in getting an instrument in the hands of students in fourth grade? It, it, it might have been. Uh, I'm on the board of RMF now, so I get to see what they're doing now, and uh, I'll However, at that time, it was just a, a program where they brought a bunch of us in and said, here's, here's the instruments of your orchestra. Would you like to play one? Here's how to do Why it. Why did you pick the sax? Well, it was, I actually started on clarinet. Oh. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it's because woodwinds. My, my, growing up, my mom used to play big band records constantly all day, the oh. Woody Herman and Benny Goodman and, uh, and all that. So it sounded like a good idea. And I was able to switch over to saxophone in uh, junior high when they – said there was a lack of them in the uh, coming up through the ranks for the stage band and things like that. It was a good move. <laughs> it's interesting you say a lack of them, because now fast forward to 1990, 91. Mm-hmm. Um, was jazz a good idea for a fest? Uh, for some it was. For some it was doubtful. Uh, it was, uh, there were some people and some organizations that didn't think it would work. Why? Uh, why? I, I, well, I don't know. Uh, I think that the community had not seen anything like this before. Uh, the, the initial one was a, th- a three-day event uh, involved uh, getting together a lot of local merchants, uh, some larger venues, mm-hmm. uh, sponsors, and uh, just um, you know a promotional effort behind it, and volunteers even at that stage, uh, which was uh, there were some people said it can't be done, and um, it it could and it was. Well, my goodness, from that. To it can't be done. To um, and I think you saw the conversations with Mindy Abair and Peter White right. and Rick Braun, and every one of them said unequivocally, "This is the best jazz fest," and they're grateful because it preserves the genre. I, I think so too. It's, it's on so many levels. It's mm-hmm. a great fest for me in those early stages too. I was able to. Uh, step in and create the neon-looking logo that they use to this day. Um, 
which, uh, you know, I, I donated it. They they got it at a good price, but I put a lot of thought into it. <laughs> that was uh, the first logo. Yeah, the one that looks like a neon sign, uh, mm-hmm. deliberately made to look like that. The uh, little uh, rectangular bar that, that appears underneath it used to be where it housed the VF Factory Outlet logo, which was oh. the shape of it at that time. They were the initial... Yeah. You know, festival sponsor and jumped on board right away. And um, it has remained the constant corporate logo, if, if you will, uh, for 25 years uh, with minor changes to the way, you know, the sponsor is shown either above or below the logo. And the Berks Arts Council has been involved since the beginning, so they're mm-hmm. connected with it. But it remains constant. Uh, from year to year, they'll vary the uh, additional merchandise graphics to go along with it. Uh, but that like I said, sort of the corporate logo. It's the brand that you'll see everywhere every year. It was brilliant to to use the neon sign effect because it's very rep- reminiscent of um, Jazz Fest in New Orleans or something yeah. like that, below a neon sign in any of the given clubs. So well, that, I was thinking of the clubs in New yep, York and Chicago. Yep. You walk down the street and uh, and you see the logos. There it was. And, and, you know, we tried to recreate that in some way. Then you revisited that logo uh, five years ago, right, for the 20th? For the 20th. Uh, yeah, well, I went with something completely different. Uh, John asked me to do something special for the 20th. And uh, we've had a lot of trumpet players, as you know, Wynton Marsalis was yes. the first, and he's back this year. And Rick Braun's been involved, and that year particularly with a lot of trumpets. So I wanted to get the trumpet involved with it, uh, logos, merchandise with a, an instrument of some sort, sold well. But I wanted to keep it real simple and, and just a real concise, um, almost a Bauhaus movement uh, look to it. Um, that, my background is more design with type than it is illustration, so... Uh, uh, I liked it a lot. Uh, it's worked out very well, and it's. Um, they did sell other merchandise with other more you know, illustri- illustrative uh, artwork on it as well. But that one uh, remained the sort of stamp, the little brand on that particular uh, anniversary. It's interesting when you do all of that work for for an anniversary logo. Well, it's not good then the next year. But now right. it's five years later, so you've well, done something for Boscov's Berks Jazz Fest this 25th anniversary. The 25th. Uh, for this one, I, I, I was asked to do it again. And for this one, I would really wanted to keep the original neon one intact in some way, mm-hmm. but add the 25 to it. And, boy, there's a lot happening in it between the Boscov's logo and the Berks Arts Council and the Jazz Fest and the 25. But we were able to do it in a way that kind of commemorative commemorated the silver anniversary mm-hmm. with uh, sort of a silverized, silverized, is that a word, uh, looking type for the 25 and keeping it in a, in, a, in a box and sort of, you know, making it a very special um, identity, which will be used in some of the merchandise. And I believe they're exploring some other, again, more illustrative uh, versions <laughs> too. But that one kept everything intact and, you know, 25, maybe for the 50th, it'll be something similar to that. It <laughs> is also, and you'll be here for that. I'll, I hope so. <laughs> you may have to wheel me out in a cart or something, but uh, if it, if I'm there, I'll, I'll I'll be supporting it for sure. So it is Mike's logo design that you see every time you watch one of these Boscov's Berks Jazz Fest spotlights. What's your favorite of all three? Of all three? Uh, gee, I don't know. I think the ten, uh, I mean the 20th anniversary one for some reason it wasn't the favorite of everybody, but I just like that sort of. You like that one. Rick Braun was the first to see it, other than John Ernesto, because we happened to be meeting with him at a bowling alley in the, in the Allentown area, and I, it just came off the drawing board, so to speak. And Rick says, "I like it." He says, "Of course, because it's a trumpet." Trumpet, that's right. <laughs> but uh, I, I just like you know the cool thing is so now I'm involved with playing on stage. Uh, over the last 25 years, I've gone from 
backstage to front. Burke's horns. The Burke's horns. And, you know, the coolest thing, almost as cool, probably cooler for me, is not only am I playing with all these great musicians, I look around, there's that logo larger than life behind me, and I, I, I really like that. This has to feel a lot like your baby then. It is. It and and, and your... it's a great way for me to combine art and music, which are my two passions. When was Burke's Horns born, and, and what was the necessity that brought that about? Well, I had been working backstage, and uh, I knew some of the musicians. But in 2001, I believe it was, John Ernesto, the festival manager, got an email from Greg Karukas, who was coming in to play a show that coming uh, 2002. And he said from time to time he gets a put-together pickup horn section together, whereas he provides the charts, uh, sends them in advance, and uh, they run through it for sound check, and you're, you're in the band with them that day, and said, could John hook him up with anybody locally? So John thought of me, and... Um, I uh, said, gee, I guess, I guess I can do that. And uh, Was there a lot of pressure in that? There's a lot of pressure in it for me because I hadn't uh, – I mean, I can read music, but mm-hmm. now I really had to read music. And finding uh, a couple of guys that would uh, round out the section, uh, specifically a trumpet player and a trombone player, uh, was part of the challenge. But that, it, it turned out to be easier than expected. We got Rob Diener on trumpet and, at the time, Bill Miller on trombone, who were playing with Bunch of Funk. Right. Uh, so we, we – played for many years. Well, the first year we only did the Greg Karukas thing. But uh, I used that experience to sort of build a resume mm-hmm. and proactively contact uh, musicians that I knew were going to be in the fest, and I heard horns on their CDs. So I said, you know, I'd contact them and said, you might remember me from backstage, but we had this horn section who's played with Greg, yada, yada, yada. And uh, and now uh, you're all over the. We've fest. been doing it all you're over the fest, and boy, what a what a great thing that is! You're the um, personification of what can happen when you pick up an instrument in fourth grade. You never know what avenues uh, you'll travel and what doors that will open. Right, it's keep. You know, I'll be doing that till my last days here. Uh, I love music, and it, it keeps me young, at least mentally. Uh, <laughs> Before we wrap this up, how has playing with them, I mean, you went from volunteer to design to actually being on stage, playing with these big names. How has that changed you and your experience? What did you get from that? Well, I, there's a transitional period in between that where I was backstage doing a lot of stage management. So I got to see the personalities of the yeah. musicians. And I think playing, not only does that bring my performance level up, because it's like when you play golf or something. If you play with guys that are, guys and girls that aren't as good as you are, you play worse. You play with people that are better than you are, you play better. So it's brought my my, perfect, my playing abilities up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have this great respect for the uh, musicians within this genre. They're just the finest people ever. And uh, it's so much fun. It, it just makes it fun. I, I've, I've had fun backstage, too, with the crews and the volunteers. I've had fun marketing it. Uh, right now, I'm enjoying the on stage as much as anything. We're playing with Mindy A. Bear this year, yeah. and uh, with Nick Colleone, and with the uh, with the Dance Hall Docs, which we do very often, and it's a lot of fun. So watch for Mike Anderson and the Burke's Horns, and I believe, Mike, the respect is mutual because I know that when they come to town, the different musicians, they feel confident that the Burke's Horns can step in at any time and fill the bill. So thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And this is yet another edition of the Boscov's Burke's Jazz Fest Spotlight on the People Chronicles.